Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about inflammation. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. So you don't always have to treat the inflammation. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Just about a week ago, I was giving a lecture in Las Vegas at the 24th Annual Scientific Program of the International Foot and Ankle Foundation. And this is a medical conference where podiatrists, foot and ankle surgeons, and sports medicine doctors go to get their continuing medical education credits. And one of the lectures I was asked to give there was entitled Inflammation in Athletes, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And in that talk, I was trying to go through and explain to doctors you know, what really happens and why is inflammation such a big problem? And there's lots of stuff written now and it's been going on for a long time. I mean, way back in 2004, there was on the cover of Time Magazine, it was the secret killer in this link between inflammation and all these other chronic diseases that really cause trouble. Now, if you go to a search, say on Amazon, looking for anti-inflammatory books, you can find tons of books on even just the anti-inflammatory diet. So there's tons of information available now talking about how you have this inflammatory response in your body that causes all kinds of different problems. That's pretty widely accepted. Part of the reason it's such a problem is that chronic inflammation really is at the center of virtually every chronic disease that plagues Americans. So all these things like diabetes, heart disease, heart attacks, osteoporosis, you know, you name it, all kinds of cancers, they all have chronic inflammation as a component. And so in many cases, it's sort of thought like it's a, uh, a disease or process that you have to treat. And then that spills over to us runners. We think of inflammation as this inherently bad thing. In fact, if you do a search and you're looking up inflammation, you're trying to learn about inflammation, you can actually find where doctors have written that inflammation is a pathology that has to be treated. And that may seem like it's true because there are so many different things related to inflammation and particularly in chronic inflammation, but it's not really true that you have to treat it all the time. It's just not the case. I mean, inflammation is something that's a normal process to tissue injury. It's a very simple thing. You know, you get injured tissue, you damage it, you rip something, you tear something, you cut your finger, whatever it is, and then you have to have a process to fix that. Well, the very first process that starts is the inflammatory response, and that's the way that you actually get healing to begin. And when you look at wound healing, tissue healing of any kind, it starts with the inflammatory phase. So the inflammatory phase of healing starts for the first couple of days. Then you have the proliferative phase where you get collagen forming. What you think of as actual healing where stuff gets, the blood flow is um, starting to restore. You're getting new collagen, new tissue forming in that area. The muscle fibers are reconnecting and healing. That's the proliferative phase. Things are growing back together. Then after that, you have the remodeling phase, and that's the third phase of wound healing. But you can't forget that inflammation is the very first phase of wound healing. So it's really important to remember that because, you know, it can get very, very complicated. I mean, when you go through all of the uh, sections of all these searches on inflammation, it really can become overwhelming because there's so many different pathways you can talk about. But we're going to, you know, in this in this session, we're just going to talk really briefly about inflammation, about whether it's good or bad, or when you should think about it, when you don't have to think about it. And we'll go into it in much greater detail in the coming weeks. And we'll talk about all the ways that you can sort of monitor and then decide about what you really need to do in regards to the inflammation. But one thing that's really important is that you have to think about this and just back up for a second and think, you know, what happens when you get injured and you want to heal? Because we all think of healing as a good thing. 
But there's this very interesting diagram that talks about, you know, the way that you have an injury and it can go in basically a couple of different ways. Um, there are really four different things that can happen after you get tissue injury, whether that's, you know, a smash in your toenail when you're running a hundred miles and it, you know, gets a blister under the nail. You have tissue injury when that happens. It could be rolling your ankle. It could be breaking your ankle and the bone sticking out. You have lots of different things that can happen, but there are really four things that can happen. One thing that can happen is that you can have a persistent injury. That's sort of what happens when you have Achilles tendonitis or Achilles tendinosis. So, you know, some injury to your Achilles tendon it starts out as an injury. You sort of strain the tendon, you stress the tendon, the collagen gets injured, but you ignore it. And when you ignore it, it continues to irritate, it continues to bother it, and you can continue to get this ongoing influx of inflammation because you're basically having a persistent injury. The injury never really stops because you don't stop that offending activity. That's all the more true if you're doing something like hill repeats or some really stressful type of running training as a component of your training program. So one of the worst things that can happen is it can progress to the state of chronic inflammation. And that, of course, like we talked about before, is at sort of the center of every major chronic disease. So it's best to avoid that. Now, another thing that can happen is you can get healing in the sense of the tissue, you know, you tear it or whatever, and then you get some scar tissue that forms in that torn area and you end up with what we call healing. Now, the interesting thing is that you, that can happen either with an acute injury where it just happens and then you actually let it quote unquote heal and you get additional collagen stabilizing that tissue and it's better in a sense, but it's a little bit of a problem because that healing is actually something that turns into fibrosis. And fibrosis is where you get indiscriminate scar tissue or strands of collagen that are actually repairing the tissue and they make it stiffer. That's a problem. So fibrosis means that it's got you know fibers within the tissue that are abnormal, usually in all different directions. And the reason that's a problem is, is it causes a loss of function. It's stiffer. It's less pliable. It doesn't move as easily. And obviously, if you have tissue that doesn't move as easily, it takes more force to move it, takes more effort when you run, and in a sense, it limits your function in terms of your running capacity. Now, that also can happen when you have chronic inflammation. When you get chronic inflammation, you have all of these cells that get you know, pushed into that area when you get swelling. That's the whole purpose of swelling is to give it, you know, away for uh, all these cells like the mononuclear cells and healing cells to basically get into the tissue. They have to have some way to get there. And with all of this influx of fluid that you think of as swelling or edema, that's how those cells actually get there. The problem is when you have that persistent swelling, you start to get scar tissue forming within that swollen tissue. And that, of course, leads to this fibrosis that makes things stiffer and less pliable and more prone to re-injury later. Now, another thing that could happen is it could get infected. So we're not going to talk about that much because that's not generally a thing that happens. But if you have a nail that gets ripped off or, you know, has a blister under it, if you get a blister somewhere and it gets infected, you can get that. Certainly you can get that with an open fracture if you roll your ankle and the bone sticks out the side of your leg. But that's not really what we're talking here. But that is one of the four things is that you could get infected. Now, the fourth thing that you almost never hear about is where the tissue actually becomes normal again. And that's when you injure the tissue and then the actual damaged tissue regenerates and you get replacement of the injured cells with completely normal cells that have no evidence of inflammation in them and they have normal function. Now that's what you want. Now the funny thing is, is that when runners talk about healing, that's what they really want is this replacement of injured cells with normally functioning, totally healthy cells. That is actually called regeneration, not healing. 
So when you hear healing, it's kind of misleading because when a doctor tells you you're healing, it sounds like you're going to be all better. But the truth is, is you're really not. If you're healing, whether it's from a state of acute inflammation or a state of chronic inflammation, it becomes fibrosed or stiffer, weaker, has more collagen in it than it should. It's not normal. It's not normal functioning. And it's different. What you really want is regeneration. That's one of the reasons you hear a lot now people advertising stuff like regenerative medicine, you know, using these fancy words that make you think you're getting something better. Well, that is better, actually. Regeneration or regenerative medicine is actually better because you're talking about getting replacement of injured cells with normal functioning, totally healthy cells. So you have to really think about that in terms of this inflammatory process, because what we're talking about here is that the inflammatory process where you have all this swelling, pain, increase in redness, that can lead to the the sort of healing that leaves you with a little bit of a problem. So you have to remember, you know, you have good things and bad things with inflammation. The good thing is that with acute inflammation, it's basically a protective process that initiates tissue repair and regeneration, but that's really short-lived. It only goes on for three to five days. That's essential, and that's the first phase of wound healing. Other things that are not so great is chronic inflammation and active inflammation that just doesn't really stop because you keep injuring the tissue over and over. And it can be bad because you can't really have tissue injury and healing simultaneously, you know, because you're kind of forming collagen, but then the enzymes that are in the inflammatory fluid that are supposed to dissolve injured, destroyed tissue, they're essentially dissolving some of that new collagen as it forms. And you get this state of no in- improvement or plateauing, and that can go on from weeks to years. And that's really because of more persistence of this injury initially caused the, the trouble in the first place. So you have to really make sure that you're not re-injuring the tissue just with an ongoing inflammatory process. Now, the really bad part is where you get degeneration of the tissue as a response of the long-term inflammation. And that does happen. So there's been this very long ongoing debate about whether or not, for example, Achilles tendons, whether or not tendinosis, where the tendon actually gets thicker and lumpy and tender and, and degenerated, and you get this mucinous degeneration in the tendon where the fibers become sort of soft and kind of more like string cheese or something. There's been this argument that there's no inflammation going on. And that's because in the previous studies, like for the last however long, last five, seven years, Everyone's talked about this, that there's no inflammatory cells. There's no what we call inflammatory infiltrate or the fluid that actually has the cells that are the ones that we identify as causing an inflammatory process. They're not usually found if you biopsy a section of the tendon, but that is completely misleading because we know that it can happen. And when you get fibrosis within a tendon, you get this tendinosis or fasciosis if you have plantar fasciitis. If you actually get degeneration of the collagen in that tendon, then it becomes a real problem, and it does happen. So that's the thing is that prior to 2012, you know, there was this whole thing about the inflammatory infiltrate, and that's what everybody looked toward, and and it wasn't there. And so we always thought that that really inflammation wasn't really causing a role in the development of these chronic tendon injuries where your Achilles tendon just won't get better, where it just stays thick and lumpy, or where your heel pain just won't go away, where your plantar fasciitis just will not leave you alone and it won't finally heal. Well, there is a process that involves inflammation with that. So what's really interesting is there's an article that came out um, just recently in uh, the end of 2017 in Uh, the British Journal of Sports Medicine that actually showed this very clearly. They did this really interesting study, and what it showed 
was that when you have a healthy tenocyte or the cell that is within the tendon, so teno is referencing tendons, and you have a healthy tenocyte and it becomes injured, over time they become primed tenocytes is what they're called, where they actually change. The, the tenocytes actually do become different after exposure to inflammatory stimuli and those diseased tendon cells actually become primed and they adopt a more rounded morphology. And all that means is they get to be uh, different in the shape of them. And they do have this complete shift in their inflammatory profile. So they actually did this genetic testing where it actually showed that the markers on the tenocytes or on the cells themselves actually change. And you can prove that with genetic um, evalu evaluation in the study that they did in here to look at them and see, are these cells really the same or are they different? And if the inflammation resolves, the, the tenocytes basically look different than if they don't and they're subjected to chronic inflammation and you get fibrosis. It's, so there's actually this clear evidence now that, that that's true. So interestingly, at that conference, when I asked the audience, you know, how many of you guys here, how many doctors here think there's no component of inflammation in tendinosis in an Achilles tendon? And about half of them raised their hands. And I said, well, then you're going to have to pay attention in the lecture on Saturday because I'm going to talk about that. And there is new research that actually shows that that is not really a debate anymore. So there is clear evidence that these tendons and ligaments and those uh, structures subjected to chronic re-injury and an ongoing inflammatory process can degenerate. And it's because of the inflammation. So it's not just repetitive microtrauma. It actually is inflammation. So that's important. So that doesn't mean you have to stop all inflammation though. So that's where the tricky part comes in is you know, when is inflammation good and when is inflammation bad? And the example I used in that talk for the doctors is that we all know that when somebody rolls their ankle and they sprain their ankle, that it can swell up a lot. And it can go from where it just hurts a little bit to within a very short period of time, it's really severely swollen and it's huge. The problem is when you get all that huge amount of fluid into your ankle, you are kind of stuck in the inflammatory phase until that fluid gets back out. And it's very difficult for your body to remove all of that fluid quickly and efficiently. So this is one of those cases where doctors, it's easy for them to see and agree on what to do with a patient. So if you roll your ankle on a trail, it's a really good idea to do this to the price, you know, protection, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. So if you lift it up above your heart, it uses gravity to push the fluid out. If you squeeze it with an ACE wrap or um, compression socks, if you have running compression socks, if you put your compression socks on, it squeezes it and it prevents that accumulation of inflammation. If you ice it, it, it shuts down the blood flow a little bit so that it doesn't swell as much. And then you, of course, protect it to not re-injure it because you just injured it and it's going to be weaker. We all agree that that's a good idea because we know that it can swell up profusely and then take you much, much, much longer to actually get better. But then the question is, is like, well, what do you do as an athlete? Because, you know, I mean, I, I've done it myself after, as a general rule, like after an Ironman race, I would, on the way back to the hotel or, you know, in, in Texas, every year I did Ironman Texas, I would stay at my sister's house. Well, what I would do is I would stop and buy, you know, 20 pounds of ice and put it in the bathtub and fill it up and soak in it for 15 minutes after the race. A lot of races actually have baby pools filled with ice water and you can go sit in the ice bath if you want right after a race. And so if we know that you're going to have excessive inflammation, sort of like along the lines of an ankle sprain, we know it's a good idea for you to ice. Everybody accepts that. But then again, the question is, is like, well, how much tissue is tissue damage that you have to worry about that's going to cause an inflammatory response that could be a problem? Because 
If you're training, you are doing tissue damage. That's the goal. You know, you you go out and you train and you don't get stronger when you run, you get stronger when you rest. So the goal is to go out and you actually get these microscopic little tears in the tissue, in the muscles. They grow, they become stronger, and you get stronger as a consequence of that tissue damage. And you're going to have some of it. So you're going to get it doing speed work. You're going to get it doing hill repeats. You're going to get it doing weight sessions. You're going to get it during some of your long runs. You're going to get it for lots of during lots of different workouts. So then you have to figure out, like, is it really an issue or is it not an issue? So how do you tell that, right? Well, and that was the main question I got from the audience of this talk is like, well, you know, what do you do? How, when do you tell runners to ice? When do you tell them to not ice? And there's a lot of conflict in this. And that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about over the next several weeks, because there is a huge amount of discrepancy. Like, the Western approach basically is just ice everything after a workout and try to stop all the inflammation. The Eastern approach is really more of one of like, well, you want to actually stimulate inflammation because that's the initial healing response and you want your body's healing response working for you. And so, you know, the way I think about it in the simplest sense to kind of give you a guideline, because this is what doctors are asking me after this talk. They're like, well, you know, when should I tell them to ice and not ice? And I think, well, the way I think about it is that if I do an Ironman, for example, and I go hard, I know I'm going to have a lot of discomfort. So if you've done a marathon or an Ironman or some really long event, or you've done a short course race where you went really and truly at your limit for that event, then you probably had a lot of tissue damage. And you probably were completely and totally hammered after the session. And that's usually true of hill repeats. It's usually true of uh, long trail runs. You know, particularly those where you're trying to run fast. So if you're doing speed work, if you're doing some workout at the gym and you feel like you really went on, like you're kind of, and you feel, you can feel it, right? You know, if you feel like you're kind of on the edge of like, did I push too hard or was that right at my limit? And anytime you're on that line of wondering whether or not you push too hard or maybe, you know, you were, you were just under and maybe you didn't hurt yourself that's probably a good time to consider icing because you might have too much inflammation. And when you're a runner and you're in training, the problem with chronic injuries is that you actually get injured and you spill over this inflammation into your next workout. So you want to have the inflammation. You do want inflammation, but you don't want it so extensive that when you get ready to do your next workout a couple of days later, you don't want to still have inflammatory fluid and an inflammatory process going on Otherwise, you're kind of behind the eight ball when you get started. So the way I think about it is just if you if you do a workout and you feel like it was too much or if you did a workout and you felt something was painful, you should definitely ice that thing that you felt was painful. Now, if you felt it was a normal workout and, you know, it was a good workout, it felt good and all that sort of stuff, but you don't really think you hurt yourself, you don't think that you really pushed at your limit, then I don't think you should ice. I don't think it's really necessary. But that's really the big key is you've got to figure out, you know, when inflammation is really bad and when it's really horrible. And so we're going to talk about some of the deep details of inflammation and how it really affects you in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you get any questions and you have something specific about inflammation, some specific question you want answered, send it to me and I'll make sure I answer it in this series. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. 
What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You know, I have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. Two, he's going to be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are going to result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.